0: Arizona Arizona Sports The Local Sports Leader Weekly Blast Hard Knocks has missed a lot in its docu-series on the Cardinals, but they caught a powerful moment after that loss to the Patriots in Cliff Kingsbury's post-game speech. And that is when Kingsbury admitted to the group that he treats them like men and that treating them like men might be a fault and the fatal error of the Cardinals' head coach. Actually, it's not a fault. It's a great character trait. It just doesn't work in the NFL. And the post-game scene was... Was just more proof where Kingsbury pleaded with the group to hold each other accountable and do things the right way. Just like Buda Baker pleaded with the group to hold each other accountable and do things the right way. It's a continuation from the collapse in 2020 when the Cardinals butchered two opportunities to make the playoffs and it's a continuation from the collapse in 2021 which happened after the team added veteran role models like J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson. And in the end, it's the sad residue of a team that is lacking direction and leadership from the top down. It's a reminder that not all football coaches are built to be head coaches. And buyer beware to anyone who thinks a college head coach knows a thing about what it means and what is required to win in the NFL. Because as we all know, they are two completely different sports. Because in the NFL, the players need two things from their head coach they need a winning plan and they need a strong voice at the top and that is the fatal flaw of the kingsbury era in arizona all right today's bickley blast brought to you by my great friends at chapman bmw who make luxury affordable with two great locations find them online at
1: chapmanbmw.com. i'll be the first one to say i made some calls all right but the basic that we know how to do it means a lot in these games it's hard to overcome, and it continues to happen. It's getting it right in practice and holding each other accountable. All right? I treat you like men. That's how it's going to be. That may be a fault of mine, but I'm going to treat you like men. So we got to hold each other accountable somehow the last month because we're better than that. Everybody understand that? Like That's it. We're better than that. And that's all I want to see for this group. The last month. Play your best football. Because I love being around you guys. I love coming to work every day with you. You practice hard. You fight your ass off for each other. But we have to do it right because we're giving away. Y'all get a
2: break. Yeah, that was followed by Chris Banjo's speech to the team, mm-hmm. James Conner's speech to the team afterwards. It was captured on last night's episode mm-hmm. of uh, episode five of Hard Knocks on HBO. The cliff part is interesting. The treat you like men, the little things that we got to do right. I mean, a lot of that just goes directly. I'm not saying he was singling out DeAndre Hopkins, but a lot of it goes to DeAndre Hopkins, who, by the way, to his credit in the episode, he took all the blame for the game.
1: That's That's on me. Huh? I should make a damn play. I should have got no f***ing feel. I'm good. Get it back right here,
3: boy. I gotta make a play. I'm going to go for that fumble,
2: boy. Not a practice every day, but little things to me are things like ball security, not yeah. holding the ball out carelessly yeah. like Hopkins was on that play. Yeah. Total turning point of the game. To Cliff Kingsbury's point, he's probably not harping on ball security, security to a guy with as impressive a resume and career as DeAndre Hopkins has, but that just goes to show you how small the margin
0: for error is
2: for this team to be
0: successful. They yeah. could
2: not overcome that one play. No,
0: and the thing is, it's those little moments, are recurring. Those little moments are becoming part of this team's DNA. Uh-huh. And those, the, it's it's losing football is what it is. And it's again, I, I I believe this. I've seen this. I I I grew up covering the Bears under Mike Ditka, who turned into just a circus act by the end of his career. But but he had that strong powerful voice and people knew not people knew you couldn't cut corners same thing with Bruce Arians whether whether you know you dug Bruce Arians or not it, 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 it he he knew how to keep players on edge and he knew how to keep them accountable the nfl i've long believed it's it's no place for nice guys and, and i think cliff kingsbury came into this job and he realized I, i'm not going to try to front i'm not going to try to pretend I'm something i'm not and i'm just going to be who i am and i'm going to let steve kime hire my coaches for me and i'm going to let vance joseph run the defense and i'm just going to be an offensive coordinator and do what i do and hopefully it's good enough and and so it's not this is not necessarily cliff kingsbury fault in fact I, I would say quite to the contrary Cliff Kingsbury has been in Arizona what he has always been the record of him as an NFL head coach is very similar to his record as a college head coach his, his collapses in the second half as an NFL head coach mirror what happened in college as well so, so to me the bottom line is this is something you need to look for you need to look at the fact that you've got a team that tries hard you've got a team that really focused on internal leadership on guys who could hold other guys accountable and yet the accountability board and the mental errors still doom this team mm-hmm. and and so that that is just something that you know whether you connect the dots or not it's something that is meaningful to me the uh, a football team on game day you got 53 guys you've got way more than that during the course of a week you got way more than that during training camp these are small armies of men and and anybody who knows anything about that knows the leadership component into the hierarchy, it's very important, very important. You because you don't you don't have the time or space to keep everybody in line. Monty Williams is head coach of the Phoenix Suns. He's got thirteen dudes he's got to worry about, and he has got time and space to coach every one of them individually. You don't have that in football.
2: Not really, uh, unless you carve out the time uh, if it's totally necessary. I, but even then, it's probably not that widespread.
0: No, it, there's a lot of delegation, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of and every there's rooms for positions like basketball. There's not a forwards room and a wings room and a bigs room in basketball. I mean, I don't want to
2: poke fun at the situation, but Cliff Kingsbury probably has more one-on-one time with players now since his coaching staff is
0: the smallest in the league. Well, yeah, well, there is that. So I mean, it. it the, this is this is something to me that I think is just sort of one of the echoes of uh, of what is happening in the last few years, and that is players love to have player-friendly coaches, except it's not what they need. They need somebody who scares them a little bit, who threatens them a little bit, who holds them accountable a little bit, who can blow them up to the media a little bit, Just th- who know the recipe of what it means to keep football players on it, yes,
2: on it. it. Player-friendly coaches are great when things are going smoothly. Exactly, but you can't. Exactly, you, you also can't change who you are as a head coach when things go south. Cliff Kingsbury can't change his methodology, and that's I think what led to the, that tone of desperation in that in that soundbite that we played. There was also some some other moments with Cliff Kingsbury in last night's episode of of Hard Knocks that he talked about. You know what shapes his um, his drive as a coach, how he prepares as a coach, and he kind of harkened back
1: to his days as a player. When I got into the profession, there's different ways to kind of differentiate yourself and move up quickly. And the first one was, you know, be there first and be the last one to leave. And so I tried to adhere to that. I just had a lot of regrets about my playing career and really putting everything into it that I could have. And so, you know, when I started the second phase, I just wanted to make sure I didn't have those same regrets try to just get up and out of the house these deals just taking that first step so you don't hit snooze and uh and then you're rolling and try to get there and always get a workout in to kind of get my thoughts in order and, and then get the day started i think it's for me a fear of knowing i didn't do my best or give it my all you know there's always going to be guys that spend more hours than you or smarter than you or um, work harder but I think to me it was always about hey am I giving it my own. Am I going to be able to look in myself in the mirror after this is all said and done and say, "Yeah, hey, I, I gave it all I had."
2: Yeah, it was an interesting look, and, and the part about his playing career and maybe not putting everything he had into his playing career and having mm-hmm. regrets about that. I don't. I don't question the, the the work ethic of Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's one of those football type junkies, and and you know the footage showing him last night to three fifteen mm-hmm. driving to the facility and in, in, in the darkness and working out on his own. The only person really at the facility other than security. At that point, right. I relate to that. It's yeah. when I get here, I'm doing Absolutely. wind sprints and push
1: ups. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I do love, I appreciate You're what he eating said. eating push ups, Jared. <laughs> oh, man.
3: Delicious. Oh, Those my like God. How do you sugar. feel about
1: push ups, Push-up push-ups. Push-ups. Oh, oh. Orange creamsicle? <laughs> what are you going to say, Sarah? I, I appreciate that he acknowledged I am always trying my best. Sometimes my best is not
0: good enough, but it is not for a lack of effort. Yeah. And, and I do think that that's one of the things that is, that is. Kept Cliff Kingsbury in really good graces with Michael Bidwell is the hours that he logs. The fact that he's he's there at the at the crack of dawn and he's there at at, at late at night and it's not for a lack of effort. I, I'm I'm certainly not saying that he's not cutting corners. He's not ducking out at four thirty five o'clock, all that kind of stuff. But it's just again, even when you get to the when you even get to the end of that, the pleading is what is what bothers me. You're pleading with these men to do their jobs at the level they have to do it. To be successful, it does and show the, you. Oh, I'm sorry. And then, and then, at the very end of it, you all get a break. It's 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 like there's too much rewards going on to a team that is letting people down, and uh, you know you you looked in training camp that canceling that second practice in Nashville. It was who does that? So I I don't want to get unnecessarily crazy with this. I I do think that this is an issue, and it, it it's proof to me that if you pulled that locker room, they would have nothing good, nothing but good things to say about Cliff Kingsbury because those football players love and respect the way Cliff Kingsbury treats them. But football is a a different animal and you it, it's it, it it takes more than that to draw the best out of football players because to to be where you want to be as a football player in a football team you got to get guys doing things they are not normally inclined to do yeah and i'm not saying it didn't happen we have
2: no proof that it happened but maybe those pleas for desperation uh, should have happened after like week four or
0: five but it did it came from buddha baker yeah and so, and and they and it keeps happening when 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 they started tried to diagnose how a ten and two football team could end up the way that last year's team did. Even Buda Baker said we got soft, we we quit paying attention, we lost focus on the details. And this is this has been three years running with this now, mm-hmm. Vinny. Yeah. Three
2: years. Context text your thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, lots of things have factored into the Suns' current five game losing streak. We'll get into some of those ingredients and how. The Suns can snap out of it tonight in L.A. next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on the uh, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports
4: leader. Bickley and Murata mornings.
3: So it's concerning that they're hitting lows where they can't put the ball in the basket. And I think it's it's a, it's a fine line between taking a three and balancing your entire game. And that's the good thing about this team over the last few years is that they were known as a team that balanced their shot attempts between the threes and the twos. And for some reason, lately, the three has taken hold. And that second quarter last night, I mean, it was just like, I know the shots were open, but you weren't making them. So put your head down, try to get to the rim try to get to the free throw line, try to get to the bonus, to try to just change up. And and so I think we're caught right now, man, with, with how do you play when things aren't going right.
2: It's Eddie Johnson, Suns analyst. He was on with Wolf and Luke yesterday here on Arizona Sports talking about the balance of the offense in terms of three-point shots to two-point shots. And look, there's a lot of reasons why the Suns have lost five straight games. Injuries yeah. among them. I've been talking a lot about the, the defense. Just is not the same. We'll get to that in a second. But offensively, Eddie's got a point, especially in that Houston game. The Suns went through one of those stretches where they could not put the ball in the basket. Yet... They shot a season-high 51 three-pointers. They didn't make a high percentage of them. They made 13, 25.5%. It's the third most three-pointers they've ever taken in a basketball game. Wow. And it's almost like there was this thought, all right, we can't score – but if one of these falls, maybe it'll <laughs> ignite us. And there's a, right. I think there's a very contagious nature to three-point shooting. It's also a lazy way to play. It's a lazy way to play, too. Um, and so that was con- that's concerning. And I looked at the three-point shooting in this five-game losing streak, and you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Suns on Friday night in New Orleans hit 22 three-pointers. They hit 50% of them those are usually winning numbers just on their own. They didn't win. That's very rare for a team to shoot like that from three point range and not win. But in the other four games of this losing streak pick, they're shooting under 30% as a team from three point oh boy. range. Oh boy. Yeah.
0: So, so then it, then it becomes an idea. Okay. So if, if you are looking to add, what are you looking to add on this basketball team? Are you looking to add a perimeter threat that can knock down shots, a little more consistency? Are you, are you look, focusing more on just an, uh, an on the ball kind of score, which I think, you know, that's uh, that's that's an even bigger kind of get, obviously. I mean,
2: look at the perceived deficiencies on this roster. Another ball handler behind campaign and, mm-hmm. and Chris Paul at the point. You could always use more shooting. They don't have a lot of uh, physicality or and bulk on, on the front line. And that's a, that's the third option, in my opinion. And, so it's a knockdown shooter. And people will say, too, all right, you don't have a, a consistent secondary score. I believe that's the case, but is that something... That James Jones is going to be able to address, uh, before the February trade deadline to get a consistent number two score? Probably
0: not. That's a big piece. That's a big without, piece we, to get. Yeah, without uh, upsetting the entire balance of it, the roster. Exactly. And then there's, then there's the unresolved question of which I still don't have an answer to, and that is whether or not this ownership sale, um, if there's some restrictions on trading first round draft picks. And, and I, uh, there was a bleacher report. Uh, uh, I went back and tracked where I had saw it from and there was an anonymous NBA source who said that this might apply to first round draft picks. And that that would complicate things. And and for the people who have wondered why James Jones is sitting on this cachet of draft picks, which is very unusual for a team that's all in. It's either it's one of two things. It's either he's saving them for a big deal down the road. And we've all put the pieces together on that. If it involves DA after January fifteenth, all that stuff, and that's all speculation. Or maybe there are restrictions. Maybe this ownership. Maybe this sale is a is a temporary obstacle that's very difficult to navigate. I I can't yeah. get a, I can't get clarity on this. There could
2: be that. Um, it, you know, let's look at it another way too. And James Jones. Showing patience, being very deliberate with this Jay Crowder trade piece. And we've talked about, okay, you might want to move fast because the the Western Conference is so bunched up. There might be an opposite mode of thinking there. The Western Conference is so bunched up that nobody is separating itself right now as a favorite, although the way New Orleans is playing and the verge of getting Brandon Ingram back is a pretty scary proposition. But the Suns might be thinking, okay, we can can take our time, we can identify the piece we want to get, get that piece down the road, and we'll still be in the mix. And even if you are a 7, 8, 9, 10 team in the play-in, uh, it's not like other years where the road to, you know, the road through the playoffs is as treacherous. Now, I think it's going to change. I think there's going to be a team, two, maybe three teams that do start to separate themselves. But right now, it is lumped together, and that could be affecting the thinking as well.
0: Yeah, and I do. Here is what I do do think, and and maybe maybe the Western Conference is going to be a little bit weird because maybe it's there's going to be the team of the month. Well, you know, one month it might be the Pelicans, the next month it might be the Grizzlies, and then mm-hmm. it might be the Mavericks, and then that might bring down um, where the number one, two, and three seeds are in terms of winning percentage. Because one of the things we thought about with this season is that given the depth in the Western Conference. This is not the year you want to be a 4, 5, 6, seed because you're going to get stuck with a very difficult first-round matchup
2: where you might get beat. I think the top four seeds are going to get stuck with a very tough matchup. It's very possible. Yeah, But, you know, the reality of it is, too, and a lot of this might be cosmetic, you lose to the Clippers tonight. Your losing streak goes to six. That's another team that jumps you in the standings as well. So you're looking at maybe being a six seed when you wake up on, on, on December 16th. Mm-hmm. Is it the end-all, be-all? No. Is there a ton of basketball left to be played? Yes. Uh, I wanted to get into the defense as well because Eddie Johnson in his visit with Wolf and Luke also commented on uh, why he believes the Suns are struggling on defense after that had been such a strength for most of the year.
3: Well, a lot of times it it starts with having a lack of confidence. You know, When you miss a shot on one end, you automatically have to morph into a defender and turn your head and get back and play defense. And I think they're going back on defense worried about what just happened on offense. And that's what the weak teams do. Like, the weak teams don't know how to separate the two. And I think the Suns have fallen into that over the last five games. I think
2: that's a really good point. The confidence, a lack of confidence offensively bleeds over to defense. When you can't make a shot, your margin of error defensively goes down. You're putting more pressure on yourself. And we've seen the results of how that's worked hand in hand negatively against the Suns. Yeah. That was one of the things that stood out. You know, the Suns shot the ball terribly, but they did not exude a whole lot of offensive confidence either in that game against Houston. It was, it was ugly.
0: Yeah. And so I, I do, I do think that it would be very nice for Devin Booker to come back tonight Mm -hmm. and for the Suns to play a solid game and just to kind of get back in the win column because I do think it's I do think there's going to be turbulence for a while and and I just I'm really gonna hope I'm really gonna hope that this basketball team that had a real great shot in an NBA championship two years ago got upended for by a lot of stuff last year I, I hope that they've learned all the right lessons and have something that's really really good coming down the road because the long game, I keep hearing it. Flex from Jersey keeps referencing it. Mm-hmm. People attached with the team keep kinda wink wink. Don't worry, we got this. Yeah. Jared, what were you gonna say? I, I did something <laughs> something roused you. What's up? No, no, we got a break. It's, just, it's, it's <laughs> just the smell of pizza. We got a break. Let me just
2: get this up. Oh, Do you smell pizza, Sarah? <laughs> Yeah, I wish. Might be having well, I issue. smell burnt toast. Am I okay? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. Coming up next, we'll talk some NFL. Mike Yam from NFL Network joins us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A lot of mornings on this Thursday, live from the Octane Community Studios here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader, Cardinals, four games left, left as we are uh, in the home stretch of the NFL season and here to talk some football with us from NFL Network. Mike Yam checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Mike, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
4: Good morning, guys. It's obviously uh, a busy time, uh, considering the, the win-loss record for the Cardinals, that there's uh, something a lot of news going
2: down. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was going to present the question to you this way. Um, if, if there was a, a football-related soap opera that was being concocted and the writers came in and met with the producers of the show with the list of things that has happened to the Arizona Cardinals this year, I think those producers would say, this is not realistic enough. Uh, there's too much. I mean, from your standpoint, your viewpoint, um, just your thoughts, on, on everything that the Cardinals have dealt with because around here, we haven't seen anything like this before.
4: Yeah, it, it's been crazy. Well, you're, you're lucky that there is a soap opera. It's called Real Life and it is being chronicled on our docks. So, you know, if it's kind of crazy because typically when hard knocks put their, their show together, you're thinking, Oh, it's going to be like this crazy kind of season. We'll sort of see, but you're right. There's all these layers to what's happened to this Arizona team. I'll just take it from a football perspective. I I think there's been some drama around Kyler, right? I mean, I think, you know, we've seen it on the sidelines. We've seen um, in and out of the lineup, the the hamstring injury, this team, I I kind of feel like it's one of those years where they're snake bitten, right? I mean, changes on the offensive, Line. You know, I, I've been a big defender um, at NFL Network, like in our headquarters uh, for the Chargers. I say, like, look at this roster. You know, what are you supposed to do? Keenan Allen, Mike Williams aren't healthy. J.C. Jackson, their big free agent acquisitions, barely play. Changes on their offensive line. And everyone rolls their eyes at me. Like, all right, enough about the Chargers, enough about the Chargers. And yet, if I'm being fair about it and I take a step back, I look at this Arizona team and I I think you can sort of say a lot of the same things about what Kyler and what Kingsbury have had to deal with. I mean, injuries to the quarterback, injuries to the offensive line, injuries at the skill position spot, hop not starting in the season. Like you can story some of the issues that they've had, and say, "All right, injuries," and you know, and then on the flip side, you know, I think there's probably a bunch of your listeners that are sitting there going, "Yo, it's football. It's contact sport. People get hurt. Injuries happen. Other teams are able to respond." And I get all of that there's just some rosters in the NFL not exactly situated sometimes to have a yep. massive attrition like Arizona has had this season yet yeah, I understand the disappointment as these losses continue to rock
0: Yeah up. well because they're 4-15 and 15 over their last 19 games yep. they've been abysmal at home for two years yep. running this this is not this this is no longer something they can write off to one of those years and that that's kind of the key issue here but if you'd have told me um, across the NFC West before if you'd have told me at the end of last year that that Russell Wilson would be gone, that Geno Smith would be an MVP candidate for a while, that Baker Mayfield would end up with the Rams, and that the 49ers would be pursuing a Super Bowl with a third string quarterback, I'd go, yeah, that's a pretty wild year in the NFC West. What do, you, what do you think of that, and what do you think of the chances for the 49ers to keep this thing together throughout a playoff run?
4: You know, I just listened to what you just said and I never thought of it like that because sometimes you're so into the weeds on one team and then you just sort of laid out a really holistic view of that entire division and how chaotic it's been. I mean, just from a quarterback story, you know, in, in its entirety, right, like with Brock Purdy coming into the mid, it really is. It's insane. That is insanity. Now that I'm, I'm really kind of taking a step back here and, and thinking about all of the changes. It's hard. You know, I, I think Seattle might be in a better situation now that Kenneth Walker looks like he's going to be able to play. Um, you know, that certainly helps. I think they missed their run game a little bit. Look, I, I think coming into the air felt really good from a San Francisco perspective. I, I didn't think the Rams are going to be 4-9, but you know, once again, talking about attrition and, and some of the injuries, like it, it makes sense to why they're struggling. San Francisco, though, I got to tell you, it is wild. Uh, you know, I was up there uh, twice in August, just before the season had started. We were doing some shows and NFL Network for around that team. You, you could watch that defense play and. You sit back and you go, oh my god! Like this, this team could potentially be historically good on that side of the football, and they have been terrific. I think the numbers aren't even as good as they they should be because there was a stretch earlier this season, you know, kind of like that week four to week uh, six, seven, eight, something along those lines. You know, they they had missed like seven starters um, out of their lineup, and most of them were on the defensive side. Like this team could even be better if they were healthy the entire season, but once again, health a major issue for teams across the board. Doc Purdy and what he's able to do, it, it really is masterful. Think about drafting a guy, Mr. Rebe- Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the NFL draft. And for him to get inserted into a Kyle Shanahan offense, mm-hmm. you know, and, and produce like this in, in essentially a game and a half is is ridiculously impressive. But I think there's there's one major factor that I don't think people really hone in on. Dude's on the practice squad. Dude is going up against that defense on a regular basis. And, you know, David Carr the other day was telling me this, and I thought he made a really good point. He goes – Brock Purdy endeared himself with this team because he's talking smack on the field, going back and forth with a defense. And look, we can talk about you know Christian McCaffrey and Kittle and those guys. The, the reason why this team can win a Super Bowl is because of their defense. The offense is is really really great too. But this team identity, at least in my mind, is still what happens on that side of the football. And and Purdy right now and this confidence and this swagger that he's got, it it is. It's awesome, and I think the biggest question for them is how healthy is Debo? When does he come back? Yeah. Can you remain on that timeline? Because that to me is the biggest piece.
2: Mike Yam from NFL Network, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, I, I agree with your thoughts on San Francisco. What they've been able to do. Normally, when you get down to your third string quarterback, um, it's a death knell for your season. There's been teams that yeah. have overcome it and made the playoffs, but nobody's won the whole thing. That being said, Philadelphia in, in the NFC. Uh, I was not a believer uh, right away. I thought they were beatable but they're just getting stronger are they by far in a way uh, the team to beat in the NFC in your mind Mike
4: yeah I think it's it's a three team race Philly is definitely at the top of the list I, I don't think Dallas is that far behind and I really don't think San Francisco is that far behind you know, we were having this debate the other day about MVP I, I still think it's Jalen Hurts at this point of the season I think there's an argument for Patrick Mahomes but in terms of a complete football team guys like I I I'd be hard-pressed to pick a team more complete than than the Eagles. And that's not NFC-based. I think that's in the NFL. What they're doing on the defensive side in terms of their takeaways is ridiculously impressive. And the offense is as good as anyone in the NFL. So in terms of being a complete team, they're right there.
0: Mike, lastly, I wanted, we want to ask you a little bit of your recollections, your thoughts on the passing of Mike Leach from your time at the Pac-12 Network. He, he was obviously so great for college football, a guy that went into these outposts, and he, he wasn't afraid to practice guerrilla warfare, as one writer said, and he was able to find success, and, and just such a great personality. How uh, What is his space in college football lore?
4: Uh you know, there's a lot of really good memories uh, that I have, right? Like he was as unique a human being that I think I've ever met, not just in sports, but just sort of in life. Like the conversations that he would have with you that had nothing to do with football. I, in fact, I could tell you, like, I don't think he ever wanted to talk football on air or off air with us. Um, you know, it got to the point after a couple of years, dealing with him where I was just like, yeah, he's, he, he'd step out into the center and I'd say, Mike, like, we're, we're not talking ball today, right? And he'd look at me and just start, (laughs) Laughing, Um, You know, he had invited me to uh, his quarterback room a couple years ago. And so I went up there. We were doing some of our shows that weekend. And and I went up ahead a couple days. And, you know, you're sitting in that room and you're watching Anthony Gordon, who was putting up huge numbers like most of his quarterbacks did, um, just kind of going through his tape. And and he'd stop and he'd grunt and he'd listen to to Anthony. And then he'd turn to me and offer me tea. And then I'd say, no, thanks. And he'd (laughs) say, but look at all this tea that I have. And he'd give me the history of, like, Earl Grey tea. And, and it's 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 kind of crazy man he's just um, he was one of a kind and I think people can can focus in on what he was able to accomplish on the football field and you're right these random spots where he was able to have success but you know I don't know if there's another figure in the game currently and I don't know if there'll ever be another figure as unique as Mike Yeah. Um, you know, the, the press conferences are legendary. The tangents are epic. Um, and just the way that he he saw the game, like people would criticize him for not running the football. And I remember him telling me, he's like, well, look, if I throw a screen, he's like, that's essentially kind of like our run. Like he never thought, he was always embracing this idea of doing things different. He didn't care what you thought about what he was doing because, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways he was really successful. And actually over the last couple of days I've thought about, all of those tangents and how he was able to, you know, basically connect with people. And once again, super successful as a a head football coach. But I think beyond that, it was more about, how does he disarm people? And I think that was sort of like his superpower plus one skill, right? Like we do that for for players as we're assessing them. But I think from a coach's perspective, his ability to disarm people, to connect with people, I, I think was second to none. He talked to anyone about anything. I mean, there's a great creamery in at Washington State where they have in a big ice cream guy, like most people. Um, and like I'd always go there, and he'd like tell me about like the creamery and like making ice cream. I mean, it was crazy the wealth of knowledge that he had.
2: Yeah, you will definitely be noticed. One of a kind. Mike, thanks so much for sharing the yeah, thoughts. Thanks, and uh, g- Good to catch up with you on the NFL
4: as well. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks right, again
2: thank- for the invite. Yep. Mike Yam, NFL Network. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line, shared some thoughts about uh, Mike Leach uh, and his passing, unfortunately. Coming up next, we have to actually crown a champion in Week 15 already. We'll do that, and we'll take a look at some of the Week 15 games in the NFL. Next, typically a Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and
1: Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I said, are you ready 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 for the Survivor Series?
4: Who will survive?
1: Who will
2: survive? I'll tell you who will survive. A, not this bit, and B, (laughs) ha, ha. Sarah, ruthless. This bit,
0: hey. (laughs) (laughs) This bit. Well
2: done. (laughs) Thank you. It's only week fifteen, but uh, it is mathematically impossible for any of us. Wow, what a comeback! Don't call it a comeback. What a comeback by ruthless. Uh, Sarah ends uh, Survivor Series with 56 points now. She did miss her Week 14 game. That ended her streak. But three of the four of us missed our picks. Uh, Bick, you were the only one to get five points. And even if you won out um, and Sarah zeroed out for the rest of the year, you'd fall four points short. So congratulations to Sarah Cazell. Wow. The 2022 Survivor Series champion. Sarah, have you prepared a speech?
0: But uh, but let's, let's consider how epic this is because at one point in time, Vinny, you were running away with this this thing, and then Sarah got smoking hot, yeah. and she's clinched the thing with four games left. How many weeks in a row did you win the start to year? Vinny? Eight. And Eight in a row. And
2: Sarah uh, reeled off ten straight. Woo! Jarrett, you had six in a row at one point. Vic, you uh, currently were on five, so you can keep picking to see. if no, you No, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah,
3: are we all? Are we all set?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Survivor Series is over for 2022. Sarah is our champion, uh, but we can still look at some of the games for Week 15 yeah. because there are some interesting games starting tonight. With uh, the Seattle matchup against the San Francisco 49ers, NFC West football on Thursday night, 49ers can clinch with a win. Uh, Seattle getting Kenneth Walker back. I don't know. Have we had any determination yet on the Brock Purdy question? Is he going to be able to play? I think it's still questionable at this point. I believe he is, too. And we brought it up with Mike Yam. To get to a third-string quarterback and be uh, where the 49ers are is, is... Historic. It doesn't happen very often. There is a chance the 49ers could clinch an NFC West championship tonight with a fourth string quarterback. Josh Johnson, who's played on every organized football team on planet Earth, could be the guy to quarterback them. And I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if he's forced to start that they, they can win this game tonight. It's crazy. That's the system and the culture that they have in San Francisco. Right no, now.
0: I no, I know that, and it's it's. This is really something to me. And, and I mentioned this in the blast a couple of days ago. And that is as hard as it was to watch that Kyler Murray interv- or injury and realize, okay, we're not going to get any elevation from him um, at the end of the season. No momentum is going to be built. Can you imagine if the team was really, really good and now oh. had to scramble to try to keep playoff? Because we've been there, we've done that before, and we know how painful. That is begging with Kurt Warner to return. 2014,
2: Carson Palmer goes down. Same. Drew Stanton goes down. You got to start a playoff game with Ryan Lindley. Yes. 2015, the injury to Tyron Matthew. Different position, obviously, but a gut punch to that team, team that they never really yeah.
0: recovered from. So you've got this 49ers team that is so whole at every other position but quarterback. That's got a um, a legendary type kind of defense that is. That has got everything you need, and yet they've got this position that may prevent them from getting there. And and I can only imagine what that must be like to be a fan of a team like that. And and so here's another game from tonight. And it, and you had mentioned about Seattle and Geno Smith and the way they seem to be fading just a little bit. Uh, I had heard reports a couple of days ago that some fans. And this is it's amazing how how quick fans turn on teams these days. There's oh, yeah. there's yeah. just no grace period anymore. And so apparently some fans in Seattle are already turning on Geno Smith, which is preposterous to me. For who? They want Russ back.
3: I, I, no. just,
0: <laughs> I, I, oh, this He's guy available. can't be our quarterback oh. of the future. Right. I mean, it's like. A, a, he
2: still has the fifth best uh, QBR and the third best quarterback. Right now. I know. Wow. Wow. But no longer an MVP candidate. I think that's a fascinating game. Uh, also, this week with college football being basically done except for the bowl games, Saturday football is a thing in the NFL. Got mm-hmm. triple header on Saturday on NFL Network: Indianapolis, Minnesota, Baltimore, Cleveland. The third game is the game to watch. The 6:15 kickoff in Buffalo between the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. It's almost let's be let's be real about it. Miami's geography. At this time of the year is a detriment that they play in the AFC East. They have to play division games in snow for a warm weather team. It's almost yeah, unfair. I guess don't that's you kind think? of a
0: good point. I don't know where else you'd put them. I mean, the Cardinals went to South for, yeah, for a while.
2: That they, they had to deal with some weather when they were still in the NFC East after the, the move from uh, from St. Louis, but they finally corrected but that. You
0: have to remember that weather in Miami is an advantage for them in September. That is true. Why when not that, move? Yeah, I why guess not put, it evens out? You're right. Put them
2: in the South. Put the Colts in the East. The
0: Indiana's Colts, not really. Indiana's the. South. the it's yeah. Indiana's the Midwest. The south of the Midwest. I guess so. (laughs) You know, (laughs) metaphorically. (laughs) Right, right.
2: Um, There's a game on the schedule that pops out to me as a possible upset. You might think I'm crazy. Sunday, the early slot, Dallas on the road at Jacksonville. You're crazy. No, I don't know. I don't know if I would have the guts to pick it in Survivor Series Uh this week, but Uh I have a feeling about that game. Really? Yes. Okay. Dallas is feeling themselves a little bit. Going on the road, Jacksonville. Early start. Yeah. I don't know. Who's ready for the weirdness that is the Lions and the Jets? I'm the Lions and the Jets excited. playing a, a meaningful yeah, December I know. football game. I know. How about that?
0: I know. And I'm it's really it excited. listen the, the the Lions have roared back and they they actually have this right in front of them and they're such an embraceable team and and if the Lions are the Lions, they'll find a way to kick away this game to the Jets. Oh if the Jets are the Jets. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when you're in the Jets, you're so kick it right back to no, the Lions. No, no, no. Are that's the Lions right.
2: the Lions or the Jets are the Jets? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's true. It's a good point. It's a really good point. I whatever. don't think this is, you know, outside of those, I don't think this is really the strongest week of NFL football. Do you? <laughs> New England, Vegas, eh. <laughs> Chief Texans. Chargers, Tennessee. Bengals and Buccaneers would have been a great matchup, but... Buccaneers at home, they they need that game. Oh yeah, they don't, they don't beat Cincinnati. <laughs> Are <you laughs> looking at the Carolina Panthers as the NFC South A- and again? It's Raiders, this,
0: yeah. Listen, the the Steve Wilkes Panthers story is good. The Tua Mike McDaniel Dolphin story is good. The Lions story is good. Yeah, there's some there's some interesting underdog stuff happening. Yeah, uh, there you go. There's
2: a look at the week 15 and the end of Survivor Series 2022. 20, Sarah Cazell with the huge comeback victory. There was a time that when I would mention Survivor Series in the middle, uh-huh. you'd be like, me doing this. It's over. Nobody's going to catch you." I was. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you had an insurmountable lead. To be fair, last year. I believe I won the first seven in a row and yes. then on the finishing third or something. Yeah. Do you remember so. who
0: won it all last year? I that's don't. on brand for you. You you have a hard time finishing, Jared. Pick was the champ last year. Comment <laughs> <Nope. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <haven't> on <done> that. <laughs> yeah, You thought it was insurmountable. Well, I mean, it's like your fourth pick in Mock My World generally. Yeah, it's off the cliff. Yeah. 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 Zip yeah. zop zoop. Oh man. Zip zop zoop. Yep. Zip
2: zop, zoop Mock right. my right. world's <laughs> coming up. I'm sword, uh, I needed to do better than I did last week. <laughs> uh coming up next, Sarah's gonna take us through some social. Social studies on Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata. It is Bickley Murata mornings live from the ak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader.